Virginia lost to Republican Party has probably waken up the Democrats. They're worried about their act in the Congress, lost of Biden's agenda, and what's going to happen next year? Are they going to lose Congress, Senate, and House? Whole lot of questions, and Democrats will be talking about it for a while, while Republicans will be happy and learning what can they do to take over the country once again. That's called democracy. What is the key to the success for Republican? And why Democrats did so bad? To discuss all of that, we have with us Paul Jay. Welcome Thank to Muslim you. Network TV, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Paul Jay is a journalist, filmmaker, and a founder and host of the analysis.news. Now, when Joan has declared it is a five alarm fire, do you agree with her? Uh, yeah, but the five alarm fire, the fire isn't the Republicans uh, winning Virginia or who knows, we'll see what happens in New Jersey. Uh, we should remember back in the uh, last presidential election, even though Trump lost in many of these states, including Virginia, by what was it, more than 10 points, uh, he actually, the Republican Party itself did quite well uh, at state levels, legislature levels, governorships. Uh, so the, the, the base of the Republican Party, sections of it actually don't like Trump. Uh, but but they remain uh, within the realm of the ideology and politics of the Republican Party. So so I think, first of all, that has to be understood. Um, the second thing is, is that the Democratic Party uh, is incapable of talking to and developing a strategy that might actually win in states that could go either Republican or Democrat, you know, these kind of swing states. And, and, and Virginia, uh, although recently has been more Democrat, uh, it's still really fundamentally a swing state. Uh, the uh, reason the Democrats don't know how to win is because I've, I've been, some other people using this line, uh, the Democratic or the corporate Democrats in any way, the establishment Democrats, are caught between a, a black rock and a hard place. Uh, black rock being the big financial firm, and I use it as a symbol for Wall Street. And the hard place being the promises they make uh, that they're not able to implement, uh, either because of divisions in their own party or because they're, they're far, their allegiance is more to the financial sector uh, than in dealing with these problems. Uh, but there is one issue that the Democrats could win on, and I think probably could have won on in Virginia and New Jersey, and, and I think would be a game changer. And I'm not the only one that thinks this. Uh, the issue is climate. Uh, before the last presidential election, early in the, in, in the uh, election, uh, the Washington Post actually had an editorial where they said the wedge issue for the Democrats is going to be, not going to be, should be, climate change. And they went on to make the argument that that's the issue that could transcend the normal uh, division between Republicans and Democrats. Um, if you look at some of the Pew research on polling amongst uh, Republicans, 10% of conservative Republicans consider the climate change or global warming or climate crisis as one of the most urgent issues to be dealt with. 
Now, amongst all the Republicans, 10% may not sound like much, but if you could pick up even half of that 10% in these states that are so close in the voting, it might make the difference between a win and a loss. Uh, if you go dig further into the Pew polling results, um, 30, I think it's 37% of uh, Republicans consider it a high priority, maybe not the highest, is in the 10%. So you got 47% of people that identify as conservative Republicans take the climate crisis very seriously, even if a majority of Republicans don't. But you don't need a majority of the Republicans. Excuse me, 90% of Democrats take the climate crisis seriously and think it's a, a very top issue. So just add a small percentage of those Republicans that actually agree on that issue. It's a serious wedge issue. Um, but the Democrats don't really fight on that issue and, and because they won't really defy the fossil fuel industry. Uh, because the fossil fuel industry isn't just the fossil fuel industry. If you look who owns the fossil fuel industry, it's mostly, guess who? Wall Street. It's the big financial institutions, which are the major backers of the Democratic Party. So, so the issue that could be a unifying issue, that could actually rally people towards an agenda that in fact is the most urgent issue facing us, the existential issue facing us, uh, the establishment Democratic Party just won't go there. And instead, they get this hack uh, to run for governor, McAuliffe, uh, who, who's, you know, you can't get a more quintessential guy identified as a corporate Democrat. And, uh, and then they, they play into the hands of the Republicans on, on some of the cultural issues. So, so it, it, and, and, you know, the economy is not doing well. Biden is, uh, you know, not very inspiring to be polite, to be nice. Uh, so it's not a surprise. So Virginia Democratic Senator Tim Kaine uh, told CNN that it is the congressional Democrats who are fighting and not passing the Biden's agenda, which caused them the race in Virginia. Yeah, I don't buy that. I mean, may, I can't say it's not a factor because it gives people the sense that not much is happening. It, maybe it would affect the turnout, the enthusiasm of people who would have voted Democrat but didn't bother to vote at all. But that's not going to cut into the vote of uh, any people that voted Republican or independents that wound up voting Republican. I, I don't think very much. Uh, and people understand. They're not stupid. They get it. It's a, Joe Manchin and a few of these conservative Democrats that are holding things up. Uh, so I, I, I don't think that's the explanation. The explanation is, is more is deeper than that. It's that the Democratic Party is trying to look like it's transformative, that it's progressive, it's going to change the lives of people. But because it's so intertwined with the financial sector and the corporate sector, it won't it can't really do that. Uh, it, it can't be any surprise to the Democrats that Joe Manchin is taking the position he's taking and holding things up. They had lots of time to try to fit, you know, put enormous pressure on him. And one of the pressures they could have put on Manchin is something that a lot of the progressive economists are advocating. It's called a just transition. And essentially what it is, is you promise fossil fuel workers in states like West Virginia, 
that you will not lose a penny of your wages uh, if you have to either leave your job because as we phase out coal, uh, if you go into another job, there'll be a, a big expansion of the uh, sustainable energy uh, industry, wind, solar, but it doesn't, it may not pay as much as you're making now. Well, we, the federal government, will subsidize the difference. So you won't lose any money. That's, that's a message. How does Joe Manchin counter that? Because that then they're going to say, well, Manchin is, of course, he's, he doesn't like this idea because he's got money, his own investments in coal. He's, he's a, a front man for the coal industry. But we're going to make sure you don't lose a penny, fossil fuel workers. And you got to know, eventually, coal is going to get phased out. So why don't we prepare for it now in a way that you don't lose any money? An economist named Bob Poland, he priced this out. If every fossil fuel worker in the United States and some of the associated jobs like restaurants that service fossil fuel workers, if every single one of them was subsidized in the way I'm talking about for three years, it would only cost around $2 billion. Like it's for a federal budget that's not even lunch money. So extend that out six years, nine years. Well, one, one Ford class aircraft carrier is going to cost about $14 billion. They're building like a dozen of these things. And even the neocons, the right wingers are saying, you know, these are actually useless because both the Russians and the Chinese have missiles now that can knock these things out of the water in a snap, like it's actually pointless building these things other than the fact that the military industrial complex is gonna make a fortune building these things and go look at who owns the companies that are building the aircraft carriers. Oh, Wall Street, it's the same financial institutions. So that's the problem of the democratic, that's the real underlying problem here. But Paul, this is not what people were debating. People were debating, you know, McLaughs, uh, you know, diminishing the role of parents uh, in what their children are going to study, connecting it to the race theory. So, so issues which you're talking about did not become the part of the conversation, which you're saying is the failure of the Democratic Party. But yes. do you think the Republicans were more clear about their messaging? Uh, I don't know if they were more clear, but the messaging of McAuliffe, first of all, he said this stupid thing about schools. Parents shouldn't have anything to say about what, what their kids learn. I mean, that's just stupid. But, but, but these are secondary. If it, these, these become to the fore when you don't have a primary message that actually resonates with the majority of the voters. And I'm saying if McAuliffe had run as the climate change guy, Although, I don't know, why was he the candidate anyway? Because who does, does McAuliffe actually believe in anything? I mean, I, I doubt it. He believes in getting elected and, and power. So he was the wrong candidate in the first place. Uh, and and, and in, in terms of 2022, in terms of 2024, um, the candidate of the Democrats needs to be about climate. A progressive message, yeah. But maybe not even, you know, as, you know, it doesn't need a Green New Deal envelope, which might also kind of alienate some of these voters, but it does need to focus on what is what are effective measures for dealing with this coming 
uh, apocalypse, this catastrophe. And Republicans, if you look at the polling numbers and, and, and even amongst evangelicals, uh, they do care that their kids aren't going to have a planet to grow up in. If that had been McAuliffe's primary message, and then he could have been smarter on the other issues. You can't, I'm not saying you can ignore them. But, you know, this issue of, you know, explicit sexual messaging in schools compared to the end of human civilization. But you got to make that argument. Obama never made the argument. Even Biden, he, he talks about it. When you look at his policies, they're so wishy-washy. The argument he makes just falls apart. You know, the governor-elect did not quite wholeheartedly embraced the former President Trump. Do you think this will give some idea and some freedom to some Republicans that they will have a future uh, instead of being just in the pocket of the former president? Uh, yeah, I think Trump's very happy with the outcome of this election. But I think it's very important to understand that it's not really about Trump. I mean, he's an important player in this. Uh, but Trump is a vehicle for a lot of forces on the far right, uh, including forces which I would describe as real fascist forces. Uh, but this social base uh, that supports Trump, uh, both in terms of the billionaires and amongst the working class and professional classes, that social base really emerged uh, after World War II. Uh, they're, they're, to a large extent, created by Cold War propaganda uh, sections of the population that think their interests lie in a powerful America, a dominant America, you know, America, the superpower of the world. Uh, there's always some existential enemy out there, you know, whether it's the Soviet Union or now Russia or China. Um, that identity really comes to form with Barry Goldwater, and then it really breaks through with Ronald Reagan. And if you look at the Reagan campaign and then the Trump campaign, the Trump campaign is a mirror, a replica of the Reagan campaign. So there's nothing new in this about Trump, that, that right-wing social base, an identity based on, to some extent, or I should say a large extent, white privilege, which is, goes right back to how, you know, why did poor white farmers and workers fight and willing to die in the Civil War to defend a slave system that they didn't even benefit from. They were too poor to own slaves. You know, they had an identity that said, oh, well, at least I'm not them. <laughs> you know, I'm white, at least I'm not a slave. You know, that kind of identity. But that said, people that identify that way, that have that kind of mentality, they still, they're starting, a significant number are opening their minds on the climate issue. Thank you so much for your time. Truly appreciate it. Yeah, anytime.